Hello everyone, welcome back to the Internet Nobody's Podcast. This is your host, Freddy, and I am here to tell you we have a very special edition of the podcast tonight. We'll be having selected readings from scary stories to tell in the dark. So please sit back, enjoy, and remember, anything can happen on Halloween. Our first reading comes to us from Dale, and he's reading a story entitled, Bad News. The Bad News Leon and Todd loved baseball. When they were young, they played on the town's baseball team. Leon had been the pitcher and Todd had played second base. Now that they were a lot older, they spent their time watching baseball games on TV and talking about baseball. You think they play baseball in heaven? Leon asked Todd one day. That's a good question, said Todd. The one who gets there first should let the other one know somehow. As it turned out, Todd got to heaven first, and Leon waited patiently to hear from him. One day, Leon found Todd sitting in the living room waiting for him. Leon was very excited to see him. Well, what's it like up there? And what about baseball? When it comes to baseball, said Todd, I have some good news, and I have some bad news. The good news is that we play baseball in heaven. We have some fine teams, I play second base on my team just like I used to in the old days. That's the good news. And what's the bad news? asked Leon. The bad news is that you are scheduled to pitch tomorrow. And that was Bad News by Dale. Our following story is by Peter. It is entitled, Room for One More. Room for One More. A man named Joseph Blackwell came to Philadelphia on a business trip. He stayed with friends in a big house they owned outside the city. That night, they had a good time visiting, but when Blackwell went to bed, he tossed and turned and couldn't sleep. Sometime during the night, he heard a car turn into the driveway. He went to the window to see who was arriving at such a late hour. In the moonlight, he saw a long black hearse filled with people. The driver of the hearse looked up at him. When Blackwell saw his queer, hideous face, he shuddered. The driver called to him. There's room for one more. Then he waited for a minute or two, and he drove off. In the morning, Blackwell told his friends what had happened. You were dreaming, they said. I must have been, he said but it didn't seem like a dream. After breakfast, he went to Philadelphia. He spent the day high above the city in one of the new office buildings there. Late in the afternoon, he was waiting for an elevator to take him back down to the street. But when it arrived, it was very crowded. One of the passengers looked out and called to him. There's room for one more, he said. It was the driver of the hearse. No thanks, said Blackwell. I'll get the next one. The doors closed and the elevator started down. There was a shrieking and screaming and the sound of a crash. The elevator had fallen to the bottom of the shaft and everyone on board was killed. And that was Room for One More, as read by Peter. 
Coming up next, we have Little Black Dog, as read by me, Freddy. Little Black Dog. Billy Mansfield said that a little black dog followed him wherever he went, but he was the only one who saw it, so people thought he was kind of crazy. To drive the dog away, Billy was always hollering at it, throwing rocks at it, but the dog always came back. The first time Billy saw the dog was the day he fought Silas Burton. Billy was just a young man then, and Burton's family and Billy's family had been feuding for years. When Billy saw Silas riding towards him, he went for his gun, and Burton went for his. But Billy fired first. He hit Burton in the back, knocking him from the horse. Burton's horse ran off, and his gun fell where he couldn't reach it. He lay there on the ground, pleading with Billy not to kill him, but Billy killed him anyway. Burton's little black dog was with him when he was shot. The dog kept licking Burton's face and barking and snarling at Billy. In his anger, Billy killed the dog too. There wasn't much law enforcement in those days, so Billy wasn't arrested. But all that night, he heard Burton's dog outside his cabin, scratching on his door and barking to be let in. I'm imagining this, Billy said to himself. I shot that dog, it's dead. The next morning, Billy saw the dog. It was waiting for him outside. From then on, there was not a single day where he didn't see it. And there wasn't a single night where he didn't have it scratching on his door, barking to be let in. From then on, Billy was always finding black dog heads on the sofa, on the floor, in his bed, even in his food. And the house in the yard stank of dog. That's what Billy said. Whenever somebody told him there wasn't any dog to see, he'd say, Maybe you don't see it, but I do. And I'm not crazier than you are. Things went on like this for many years. Then one morning in the middle of the winter, the neighbors didn't see any smoke coming out of Billy's chimney. When they went over to check, Billy wasn't there. A day or so later, they found his body laying in the snow in the field in the back of his cabin. Billy had plenty of enemies, and at first it seemed like somebody might have killed him. But there wasn't a mark on his body, and there weren't any footprints out there except for Billy's. The doctor said Billy probably died of old age, but there was something odd about his death. When the neighbors found Billy, there were black dog hairs on his clothes. There were some on his face. It smelled like a dog had been out there, yet no one had seen a dog anywhere. And that was Little Black Dog. Coming up next, we have Harold, as read by Dale. Harold When it got hot in the valley, Thomas and Alfred drove their cows up to a cool green pasture in the mountains graze. Usually they stayed there with the cows for two months. Then they brought them down to the valley again. The work was easy enough, but oh was it boring. All day the two men tended their cows. At night they went back to the tiny hut where they lived. They ate supper and worked in the garden and went to sleep. It was always the same. Then Thomas had an idea that changed everything. Let's make a doll the size of a man, he said. It would be fun to make, and we could put out in the garden to scare the birds. It should look like Harold, Alfred said. Harold was a farmer they both hated. They made a doll out of old sacks stuffed with straw. They gave it a pointy nose like Harold's and tiny eyes like his. Then they added dark hair and a twisted frown. Of course, they also gave it Harold's name. Each morning on their way to the pasture, they tied Harold to a pole in the garden to scare away the birds. Each night they brought him inside, so he wouldn't get ruined if it rained. When they were feeling playful, they would talk to him. One of them might say, How are the vegetables growing today, Harold? Then the other, making believe he was Harold, would answer in a crazy voice, 
Very slowly, they would laugh, but not Harold. Whenever something went wrong, they took it out on Harold. They would curse at him, even kick and punch him. Sometimes one of them would take the food they were eating, which they were sick of, and smear it on the doll's face. How do you like the stew, Harold? They would ask. Well, you better eat it, or else. Then the two men would howl with laughter. One night, after Thomas had wiped Harold's face with food, Harold grunted. Did you hear that? Alfred asked. It was Harold, Thomas said. I was watching him when it happened. I can't believe it. How could he grunt? Alfred asked. It's just a sack of straw. It's not possible. Let's throw him in the fire, Thomas said. That'll be that. Let's not do anything stupid. We don't know what's going on. When we move the cows down, we'll leave him behind. For now, let's just keep an eye on him. So they left Harold sitting in the corner of the hut. They didn't talk to him or take him outside anymore. Now and then the doll grunted, but that was all. After a few days, they decided there was nothing to be afraid of. Maybe a mouse or some insects had gotten inside Harold and were making those sounds. So Thomas and Alfred went back to their old ways. Each morning they put Harold out in the garden, and each night they brought him back in. When they felt playful, they joked with him. When they felt mean, they threatened him as badly as ever. Then one night, Alfred noticed something that frightened him. Harold is growing, he said. I was thinking the same thing, replied Thomas. Maybe it's just our imagination. We have been up here on this mountain for too long. The next morning, while they were eating, Harold stood up and walked out of the hut, climbed up on the roof and trotted back and forth, like a horse on its hind legs. All day and all night, he trotted like that. The morning, Harold climbed down and stood in the far corner of the pasture. The men had no idea what he would do next. They were afraid. They decided to take the cows down into the valley that same day. When they left, Harold was nowhere in sight. They felt as if they had escaped a great danger, and began joking and singing. But when they had gone only a mile or two, they realized they had forgotten to bring the milking stools. Neither one of them wanted to go back, but the stools would cost a lot to replace. There really is nothing to be afraid of, they told one another. After all, what could a doll do? They drew straws to see which one would go back. It was Thomas. We'll catch up with you, he said. And Alfred walked toward the valley. When Alfred came to a rise in the path, he looked back for Thomas. Not see him anywhere, but he did see Harold. The doll was on the roof of the hut again. As Alfred watched, Harold kneeled, stretched out a bloody skin to dry in the sun. That was Harold, read by Dale. I hope you've been enjoying these stories so far. I know I have been. Coming up next, we have the story Sounds, read by Peter. Sounds. The house was near the beach. It was a big old place where nobody had lived for years. From time to time, somebody would force open a window or a door and spend the night there, but never longer. Three fishermen, caught in a storm, took shelter there one night. With some dry wood they found inside, they made a fire in the fireplace. They laid down on the floor and tried to get some sleep, but none of them slept that night. First, they heard footsteps upstairs. It sounded like there were several people moving back and forth, back and forth. When one of the fishermen called, 
Who's up there? The footsteps stopped. Then they heard a woman scream. The scream turned into groan and died away. Blood began to drip from the ceiling into the room where the fishermen laid huddled. A small red pool formed on the floor and soaked into the wood. A door upstairs crashed shut, and again the woman screamed, Not me! She cried. It sounded as if she was running, her high heels tapping wildly down the hall. I'll get you, a man shouted, and the floor shook as he chased her. Then silence. There wasn't a sound until the man who had shouted began to laugh. Long peals of horrible laughter filled the house. It went on and on until the fishermen thought they would go mad. When finally it stopped. The fishermen heard someone coming down the stairs, dragging something heavy that bumped on each step. They heard him drag it through the front hall and out the door. The door opened, and then it slammed shut. Again, silence. Suddenly, a flash of lightning filled the house with a green blaze of light. A ghastly face stared at the fishermen from the hallway, then a crash of thunder. Terrified, they ran out into the storm. And that was Sounds by Peter. Coming up next now is another one by me, entitled Me Tai Doty Walker. Please enjoy. Me Tai Doty Walker. There was a haunted house where every night a bloody head fell down from the chimney. At least, that's what people said. So nobody would stay there overnight. Then a rich man offered $200 to whoever would stay there, and this boy said he would try, if he could have his dog with him. So it was all settled. The very next night, the boy went to the house with his dog. To make it more cheerful, he started a fire in the fireplace. Then he sat in front of the fire and waited, and his dog waited with him. For a while, nothing happened, but a little after midnight, he heard something singing softly and sadly out in the woods. The singing sounded something like this. Me Tai Doty Walker. Just somebody singing, the boy thought to himself but he was frightened. Then his dog answered the song, softly and sadly, it sang, Linchi Kinchi Kali Mali Dingo Dingo. The boy could not believe his ears. His dog had never uttered a word before. Then a few minutes later, he heard the singing again. Now it was closer and louder, but the words were the same, Me Tai Doty Walker. This time the boy tried to stop his dog from answering. He was afraid whoever was singing would hear it and come after them. But his dog paid no attention again. It sang, Linji, Kinchi, Kali, Mali, Dingo, Dingo. A half hour later, the boy heard the singing again. Now it was in the backyard, and the song was the same. Me, Tai, Doti, Walker. Again, the boy tried to keep his dog quiet, but the dog sang louder than ever. Lynchy, Kinchy, Kali, Molly, Dingo, Dingo. Soon the boy heard the singing again. Now it was coming down the chimney. Me, Tai, Doty, Walker. The dog sang right back. Lynchy, Kinchy, Kali, Molly, Dingo, Dingo. 
Suddenly, a bloody head fell out of the chimney. It missed the fire and landed right next to the dog. The dog took one look and fell over, dead from fright. The head turned, stared at the boy, and slowly opened its mouth, and... And that was Me Tie Dirty Walker, as read by me, Freddy. Coming up now, we have Stood on a Grave, a reading by Dale. The Girl Who Stood on a Grave Some boys and girls were at a party one night. There was a graveyard down the street, and they were talking about how scary it was. Don't ever stand on a grave after dark, one of the boys said. The person inside will grab you, and will pull you under. That's not true, one of the girls said. It's just a superstition. I'll give you a dollar if you stand on a grave. A grave doesn't scare me, said the girl. I'll do it right now. The boy handed her his knife. Stick this knife in one of the graves, then we'll know that you were there. The graveyard was filled with shadows and was quiet as death. There was nothing to be scared of, the girl told herself, but she was afraid anyway. She picked out a grave and stood on it. Then quickly she bent over and plunged the knife into the soil and started to leave, but she couldn't get away. Something was holding her back. She tried a second time to leave, but she couldn't move. She was filled with terror. Something has got me, she screamed. She fell to the ground. When she didn't come back, the others went to look for her. They found her body sprawled across the grave. Without realizing it, she had plunged the knife through her skirt and had pinned it to the ground. It was only the knife that had held her there, and she had died of fright. And that was Dale with a girl who stood on a grave. Coming up next, we have What Do You Come For? Another reading by Peter. What do you come for? There was an old woman who lived all by herself, and she was very lonely. Sitting in the kitchen one night, she said, Oh, I wish I had some company. No sooner had she spoken than down the chimney tumbled two feet for which the flesh had rotted. The old woman's eyes bulged with terror. Then two legs dropped to the hearth and attached themselves to the feet. Then a body tumbled down, then two arms, and a man's head. As the old woman watched the parts came together into a great gangling man, the man danced around and around the room. Faster and faster he went. Then he stopped and he looked into her eyes. What do you come for? She asked in a small voice that shivered and shook. What do I come for? He said. I come for you. Always got to be careful what you wish for. It just might come true. Coming up next, we have Footsteps, another reading by yours truly, your host, me, Freddy. Please enjoy. Footsteps. Liz was doing her homework at the dining room table. Her younger sister, Sarah, was asleep upstairs. The mother was out, and she was expected to be back any minute. When the front door opened and shut, Liz called, Hello, Mama. But her mother didn't answer, and the footsteps Liz heard were heavier, like a man's. Who's there? She called. No one replied. She heard whoever it was walk through the living room, then up to the second floor. The footsteps moved from one bedroom to another. Again, Liz called. Who's there? The footsteps stopped. Then she thought, Oh my God, Sarah's in her bedroom. She ran up the stairs to Sarah's room. 
Only Sarah was there, and she was asleep. Liz looked in the other rooms, but found no one. She went back down to the dining room, scared out of her wits. Soon, the footsteps could be heard again. They were coming down the stairs, into the living room. Now they went into the kitchen. Then the door between the kitchen and the dining room slowly began to open. Get out, Liz screamed. The door slowly closed. The footsteps moved out of the kitchen, through the living room, towards the front door. The door opened and shut. Liz ran to the window to see who it was. No one was in sight, nor were there any footprints in the fresh snow that had been falling. So I do hope you're enjoying the readings here on this wonderful, wonderful Halloween that we are having. Coming up next, we have Wonderful Sausage, another story read by Dale. Wonderful Sausage One dark, rainy Saturday afternoon, fat and jolly butcher named Samuel Blunt had an argument over his wife, Eloise. Blunt lost his temper and killed Eloise. Then he ground her up into sausage meat and buried her bones under a big, flat rock in the backyard. To keep the murder a secret, he told everyone she had moved away. Blunt mixed his new sausage meat with pork, then seasoned it with salt and pepper, added some sage and thyme and a bit of garlic. To give it a special flavor, he smoked it in his smokehouse for a while. He called it Blunt's Special Sausage. There was such a demand for this new sausage that Blunt bought the best hogs he could find and started raising his own pork. He also kept a sharp lookout for humans who might make a tasty sausage meat. One day, a nice plump school teacher came into his shop. Blunt grabbed her and ground her up. Another time, Blunt's dentist came by. He was a little round man, and into the grinder he went. Then, one by one, the children in the neighborhood began to disappear. So did their kittens and puppies. But no one ever dreamed that Blunt the Butcher had anything to do with it. Things went on that way for years. Then one day, Blunt made a huge mistake. A fat boy came into the butcher shop. Blunt grabbed him and started to drag him off to the sausage grinder, but the boy broke loose and ran out of the shop, and Blunt chased after him, waving a big butcher knife. When people saw this, they realized at once what had become of all those missing children, grown-ups, and kittens and puppies. An angry crowd gathered at the butcher shop. No one knows for sure what happened to Blunt that day. Some say he was fed to his hogs. Others say he was fed to the sausage grinder. But he was never seen again. Either was his sausage meat. And that was Dale with Wonderful Sausage. Kinda want some sausage now. Anyway, cannibalism. Moving on, you have Peter with The Guests. The Guests. A young man and his wife were on a trip to visit his mother. Usually they arrive in time for supper, but they had gotten a late start, and now it was getting dark. Soon they decided to look for a place to stay overnight and go on in the morning. Just off the road, they saw a small house in the woods. Maybe they rent rooms, the wife said, so they stopped to ask. An elderly man and woman came to the door. They didn't rent rooms, they said, but they would be glad to have them stay overnight as their guests. They had plenty of room, and they would enjoy the company. The old woman made coffee and brought out some cake, and the four of them talked for a while. 
Then the young couple were taken to their room. They explained that they wanted to pay for this, but the old man said he would not accept any money. The young couple got up early the next morning before the hosts had awakened. On a table near the front door, they left an envelope with some money in it for the room. Then they went into the next town. They stopped in a restaurant and had breakfast. When they told the owner where they had stayed, he was shocked. That can't be, he said. That house burned down to the ground, and the man and woman who lived in there died in the fire. The young couple could not believe it, so they went back to the house. Only now there was no house. All they found was a burned-out shell. They stood staring at the ruins, trying to understand what happened. Then the woman screamed. In the rubble was a badly burned table, like the one they had seen by the front door. On the table was the envelope they had left that morning. And that was The Guests by Peter. Coming up is another one by yours truly, me, Freddy. And uh, this one is titled The Haunted House. Very apropos, isn't it? Seeing as it's Halloween. Well, here we go. The Haunted House. One time, a preacher went to see if he could put a haunt to rest at a house in his settlement. The house had been haunted for about 10 years. Several people had tried to stay there all night, but they would always be scared out by the haunt. So this preacher took his Bible and went to the house, went on in, built himself a good fire, and lit a lamp. Sat there reading the Bible. Then, just before midnight, he heard something start up in the cellar, walking back and forth, back and forth, over and over again. Then it sounded like it was trying to scream and got choked off. Then he could hear a lot of thrashing and struggling, and finally everything got quiet. The old preacher took his Bible once again, but before he could start reading, he heard footsteps coming up the cellar stairs. He sat watching the door to the cellar, and the footsteps kept coming closer and closer. He saw the doorknob turn, and when the door slowly began to open, he jumped and hollered, What do you want? The door shut back easy-like, and there wasn't a sound. The preacher was trembling a little, but he finally opened his Bible and read a while. Then he got up and laid the book on the chair and went on mending the fire. Then the horn started walking again, and step, 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 up the cellar stairs. The old preacher sat watching the door, seeing the door not turn and the door open. It looked like a young woman. He backed up and said, Who are you? What do you want? The haunt sort of swayed like she didn't know what to do. Then she just faded out. The old preacher waited, waited, and when he didn't hear any more noises, he went over to shut the door. He was sweating and trembling all over, but he was a brave man and thought he'd be able to see it through. So he turned his chair to where he could watch, and he sat, and he waited. It wasn't long before he heard the haunt start up again, slowly. Step, 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 closer and closer, step, step, and it was right at the door. The preacher stood up and held his Bible before him, then the knob slowly turned and the door opened wide. This time the preacher spoke quiet-like. He said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, who are you and what do you want? The haunt came right across the room, straight to him, and took a hold of his coat. It was a young woman, about 20 years old. 
Her hair was torn and tangled, and the flesh was dropping off her face so he could see the bones and part of her teeth. She had no eyeballs, but there was sort of a blue light way back in her eye sockets, and she had no nose on her face. Then she started talking. It sounded like her voice was coming and going with the wind blowing it. She told how her lover had killed her for her money and buried her in the cellar. She said if the preacher would dig up her bones and bury her properly, she could rest. Then she told him to take the end joint of the little finger from her left hand and to lay in the collection plate at the next church meeting, and he figured out who had murdered her. And she said, if you come back here once more after that, you'll hear my voice at midnight, and I'll tell you where my money is hid, and you can give it to the church. The haunt sobbed like she was tired, and she sunk down to the floor and was gone. The preacher found her bones and buried them in the graveyard. The next Sunday, the preacher put the finger bone in the collection plate, and when a certain man happened to touch it, it stuck to his hand. The man jumped and rubbed and scraped and tore at the bone, trying to get it off. Then he went to screaming like he was going crazy. Well, he confessed to the murder, and they took him to jail. After the man was hung, the preacher went back to the house one midnight, and the haunt's voice told him to dig under the hearth rock. He did, and he found a big sack of money, and where the haunt had held on to his coat, the print of those bony fingers were burned right into the cloth. It never did come out. And that does it for this edition of the Internet Nobody's Podcast. I want to thank everyone for tuning in, listening, and enjoying the stories as we read them. Uh, if you like this, maybe we'll do more stuff like this, more stories, more readings. And uh, I hope you had a good time, and we'll see you next time. That's a lot of times, isn't it? <laughs>